Amen. Amen. I want you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word. We'll be in Revelation chapter 3 here today. Revelation chapter 3. Continuing our series, uh, we're walking through Revelation and uh, the letters addressed to seven churches. Uh, we'll be in Revelation 3 again um, with a letter written to the church at Philadelphia. Um, it's amazing the time that we live in nowadays um, with all the technological advances that we have. And I think that most of us, especially if, if you're younger, you might take a lot of this for granted. The, the things that are available to you today, we didn't have so much when I was growing up. I've mentioned before how, you know, getting help with my homework, you know, sometimes I had to go to the library uh, you know, the place with, with all the books that you can you go read and you check out and take some of those home if you needed to. But they had these things called encyclopedias where you had to go and, and, and find them in the stacks and open it up to find the answer to your question. You might have one question, but it took you hours to find it. Now we have Mr. Google, and we can just go ask Google. We can go ask Siri and be able to immediately get the answer to our question, and we no longer have to go to this place called the library. Although here in Bolingbrook, we got one of the most amazing libraries in the nation. So above and beyond the library books, we've got you know the labs there. They got 3D printers, and they you can print T-shirts and do all these amazing things. So the library is more than just books. At least ours is today. But still, these technological advances. I think have opened up a lot of doors for us. If we look at, you know, biblical times, you know, when the apostles were walking the earth and they were going city to city, telling people about Jesus, that was made possible because the advancements in the Roman Empire. Because the Roman Empire was so large and so advanced, they had begun to build uh, streets and highways so that they could connect different cities in order to, they, they did it for transport, for um, certain equipment and uh, to, to take uh, steel and other things and, and, and uh, fibers and clothing and all this other kind of stuff for commerce. But also it enabled the advancement of the gospel because of these Roman roads. And what we see in the text is that the, the gospel spreads like wildfire. And it's amazing what happens, how God uses what Rome was trying to, they were trying to get their tentacles into everything and control everything, but God used those things in order to advance his message. It's incredible when you really think about it. And I think right now we are in a similar position with the advancements in te technology and the internet we have a similar thing that is happening uh, that is akin to what we saw with the Roman road. That even though the internet was created, you know, from government entities and, and all these things is proliferating, we all have a computer in our pocket nowadays and we're able to advance the word of God and use those things for his glory. Even us here in Bolingbrook at this church, we have folks that are, are with us, worshiping with us, and do so every week, that they may or may not be in Bolingbrook. Some folks are traveling, 
and they're able to still worship with us. Good morning. Thanks, thanks for being here. But we also have other people that have uh, maybe a loose affiliation. Uh, I know my mom is on every week and I'm grateful for her and her participation to be able to see her baby boy here preaching God's word. But it's, um, luckily it's more than just my mom. <laughs> you know, that's always good to have your mother's affirmation. But we also have people throughout the state of Illinois and the surrounding states, but more than just that. I mean, the, the top, if, if you look at our analytics, the, the top people are viewing from the United States, obviously, right? But above and beyond that, we have folks in, in Germany, the United Kingdom, Brazil, Japan, India, all participating and watching these messages that we have here. And then you add to uh, I don't most of you, I don't know if you know or not, but I have a, a podcast on YouTube, and uh, we have folks uh, viewing that podcast. Um, over a thousand people there from similar countries above and beyond the U.S. and Canada and uh, elsewhere, and uh, we're taking advantage of Instagram and TikTok. And some of you may or may not be familiar with those social networks, but if you add them all together. Us, this little church here in Bolingbrook are reaching more than 3,000 people around the world. I want to let that sink in. This church here that started 55 years ago are able to leverage the technological advances that we have in front of us to reach over 3,000 people around the world with the message of Jesus with the good news of the gospel. Oh man, that's exciting to me. I mean, it may, be, it may not move you, but I mean, can you imagine 3,000 people trying to fit in this building? We, we'd have some problems. <laughs> but, but what an opportunity we have because of who God is and what he's done. You know, a friend of mine was telling me the other day that um, they live in another state and they said, I get to watch your, your sermons. I really enjoy them. They're, they're really beneficial. It's cool to see that side of you. As we're, as we know, we've been getting to know each other. But they said, you know, I can't watch every week because uh, those messages are convicting. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't be convicted all the time. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just have to, to space them out. I appreciate that, and it was half joking, right? Uh, because uh, because I, I, that's really my goal and my prayer is that when people come through these doors or view us online, that they come in and they would be convicted. Because uh, you need to leave here changed. You know, it, it, you come as you are, but but leave changed. And people have asked me, well, who is welcome. Who, who is okay coming to your church or viewing online? I'm like, well, everybody's welcome. Like, no, I mean, people say that, but they don't really mean it. Like, what about, what, what if I'm divorced? Is that okay? Yes, come. Oh, uh, what if, what if I had an abortion? Is that okay? Yes, come, be welcome. Well, what if I'm single? Is, is that okay? Absolutely, yes, come, be welcome. Well, Surely you don't allow anybody that's gay or lesbian. No, please come. You're welcome. Please come and hear the word of God. But what if I'm an alcoholic? Yes. You can go down the list. What if, what if, what if? 
I hope that anybody who walks through the door, if, if you're tatted up, got you know, piercings or biker or gay, lesbian, divorce, had an abortion, uh, 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 out on the street and homeless, I hope that you would feel welcome to come and sit and hear the word of God be preached, to hear the message that is being contained in the music that we see. If you're viewing us online, I hope that you will be comfortable hearing the word of God and his message. And regardless of how you come here, I hope and pray that everybody leaves here knowing that they are a sinner in need of a savior. I don't care what the issue is. I don't care what the differences might be. That when you encounter God and his grace, I hope that you would leave here knowing that I can't stay like I am. I don't care what you're dealing with. You're welcome to come, but when you encounter God and his grace, you can't help but be changed. That's the way it works. But in, in addition to that, right, there, there is some comfort, I hope, in the midst of that message, that there is some encouragement in the midst of us talking about who God is. Yes, you're going to leave convicted, but I hope you also leave on, on just on cloud nine and excited about who God is and what Jesus has done for you. I hope that you will be encouraged. So I hope that, that I give you uh, both to see. One, I, I, I can't leave here being, being the same, but two, that, that there's a Jesus that loves and cares for me and he died for me. Even while I was in my mess, even while I was yet still sinners, he died for me. That's my hope and my prayer for each and every one of you. I don't care how you came in here. I hope that you feel comfortable and welcome and that when you encounter Jesus, that you can't help but be changed. So I hope today this is one of those messages. As we talk about the letter to the Philadelphians, I hope that you would leave with some encouragement. This is one of the letters that's actually really, really nice. It's really good to see if you look at it. Turn with me your copy of God's Word. We're in Revelation chapter 7. Bear with us. Our, our, our screen is off and on. Yeah, Revelation chapter 3. So grab your Bible. There's Bibles in front of you. If the screen is not working, I apologize. We're working on that, like I said. Revelation 3, we'll start in verse 7. Here God's word reads, And the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have and so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God 
and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Won't you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the realization of, of what you've put before us. Help us to be good stewards of those things. And the realization that uh, we have the most important message that the world has ever known. Help us not to keep it to ourselves. Help us to leverage every tool and opportunity that we have, all the open doors that you have provided to us. Help us to walk through them so that your name may be known, that we may lift you up on high, that people might be able to have hope in the midst of this hopeless world. Help us to not only understand and believe in the good news, the euangelion, the gospel, but help us to go and share those things with the people that need to hear it. Pierce our hearts today. Open our ears, open our minds so that we can hear your words here this morning. We can take it out to the world. So we thank you so much in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Here we have in this letter, in chapter 3 of Revelation, this letter is to Philadelphia, who, as we know, because of the city that we have here in the U.S., is the, it means brotherly love. This city was about 25 miles southeast of Sardis, a city that we have mentioned before. And it's set on a, a main highway that connected Smyrna that was about 100 miles west and was an important part in the commercial stop on the major trade route and it was called um, an imperial post route because it was a first century mail route. So as I mentioned before, all these, these cities and highways are being built so that they can get mail and other commerce back and forth during these things. So this gives us an idea of, of how these cities that we're talking about, how they're all connected in some way, shape, form, or fashion. The city was actually destroyed by an earthquake in about 17 AD and was rebuilt by the Roman emperor Tiberius. And because of this being rebuilt, there was a, a very loyal uh, folks here in the city to Rome, and it served as a missionary city to spread Greek culture. So this is, they were all about uh, letting people know and kind of evangelizing what it meant to be Greek and, 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 and how that looked for them. But in our text this morning, Jesus proclaims that this city would actually be a missionary city for spreading the gospel. Even though it was meant for a different purpose, God uses it for his good so that the gospel might be spread and his name would be known. Other than Smyrna, Philadelphia was the only other congregation that was not criticized by our glorified Christ. And so when he says, hey, I know your works, in, in the other letters, you, you, you tighten up a little bit because he's about to come and tell you what you're doing. Like, hey, you, you're not about that life. You're not doing what, what we called you to do. Here's how you've been wrong. But however, we look at Philadelphia and that is not the case. Even though they were facing intense spiritual warfare, none of them had denied the Lord and they were held up as an example of spiritual purity. And that's great to see. And as we know, I'm sure it wasn't easy 
being combated with the, the world and the things of it and everything coming, but they stood fast to what was good. Look with me back in verse 7. When the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have little power, and yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. Here this letter opens up saying that Jesus is the one who is holy and true, uh, reinforcing the fact here that he is in fact God and he will do what he has promised to his people. This, this key that's alluded to, this, this key of David alludes to Isaiah 22 and 22, where it says, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. Isaiah is referring to Eliakim, son of Hilkah, a steward of King David, who is given a key to the house of David. Now, we're familiar with keys. When we all have keys in our pockets or purses. It, it gives us the authority. It gives us the ability to go and unlock the doors for which we've been entrusted with. So in the same way, this key refers to the authority and ability to open and shut doors uh, determined by who gives access to it. So not everybody gets a key, right? Not even to the church. Not everybody gets a key <laughs> to the church. And the same is true for your house. There's certain people who have the authority and access to open and shut those doors. Christ commended the faithful works of this small congregation and in spite of the fact that they had very little power, they weren't known for anything in particular. And unlike the church at Ephesus, he doesn't reference their heart and he doesn't correct them for leaving their first love, if you remember that text. Apparently the Philippians were doing all the right things for the right reasons. Their hearts were in the right place and they, they needed encouragement at the time. They were doing the things, they were doing the work, they were doing what was asked of them, but they needed encouragement in order to keep doing what they were doing. I'm sure this is familiar for us too. We, we, we get to working and doing so many things that it is tough, especially when you feel like nobody notices. You, you know you're doing the right thing, you know you're doing what you're supposed to do, but sometimes you need somebody to come along and say, I, I, see, what, I see what you've been doing. I, I, I'm so grateful for that. Thank you so much for what you're doing, the person that you are, the example that you're being. Sometimes it's just helpful to get that little bit of encouragement just so you can keep on doing the things that you're needing to do. Here they, they ensured that the gospel was their message and the, the message of, of grace of God was their motive. So they weren't doing it just to be seen. And we have the... the some previous letters they were doing because they wanted to stand out and be seen by others and get a pat on the back, but their hearts weren't in the right place. And these folks, they were doing it for the right reason. They wanted to lift up the name of Jesus. They wanted people to know who God was. And that's why they were doing the things they were doing. This wasn't a large church. They didn't carry a, a lot of weight. They weren't rich and didn't have the authority of some other places. They didn't have the influence that other places might have, but they were still hardworking 
and faithful. Even though it, they didn't uh, get their, their names in the newspaper or on, on, on the news or whatever else, they still were continuing to be faithful to do what they need to do. They kept Christ's word and they didn't deny him along the way. You know, as much as I was reminded about our church and saw ourselves and our struggle in the letter to Sardis, as I, I read through this and, and prayed over this text, uh, preparing for this morning, um, I, I couldn't help but feel hopeful. I couldn't help but feel in, encouraged for us here today in Bolingbrook. Even as we face constant trials, if we stay true to God's word, and if we stay true to the gospel, the Lord will continue to bless us. And that's, that was just so encouraging to me. That, that, that was the encouragement that I know that I needed as we continue to, to, to try our best to be faithful, that the Lord sees those things and will continue to be with us and bless us. Jesus makes a promise to the Philippian church that he will be faithful to that community of believers. And he promises an open door that no one can close. He opens this uh, to, to heaven and God's kingdom. In Revelation, what Jesus opens, no one can shut and vice versa. And if you remember from the Gospels, we see this imagery as well, this imagery of open and shut doors that's used in describing not only God's kingdom, but also salvation and the Messianic banquet. If you remember in Luke 13, Luke 13 and 23, it says, and someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house was risen and shut the door and began to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer to you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will say, begin to say, we, we ate and drank in your presence and, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. I don't know about you, but that, that scares me to the core. That, that there will be one of us, that it will be myself, and knocking on the door. And he's like, I, I, don't, I don't know who you, what do you, what do you think you're doing? Or even in the book of Acts where, um, as well as in Paul's letters, we see this, this, this motif of open doors referring to opportunities to share the gospel. Acts 14 and 27, for example, and when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Or perhaps 1 Corinthians 16, verses 8 through 9, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And there's many more, but one more I'll leave with you. Colossians 4, 2 through 3, it says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door, for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. 
So regardless, as we read about these open and shut doors, regardless of whether we're talking about sharing the gospel, which we see that in the text in various places, or we talk about entering heaven, which again we see in various places, regardless of the two, it's not a bad place to be. Regardless of what we're reading, we want to be sure that we're taking advantage of these open doors. That, that God has placed us here and has given us abilities. He's, he's given us strength and courage. He's given us his word. He's given us the people around us that we might build relationships with them. And he's opening doors for us to walk through. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, man, I don't feel like... <laughs> I, Lord, I, I see this might be an open door, but man, do we really have to have this conversation right now? <laughs> I'm just being honest. But I, I, I have to tell myself, and I'm not always good at this. Like I said, I'm being, we family, right? I can share this with you. Sometimes those open doors come and I'm just like, I, I, I got to get to the next thing. I, and it's, it's with me all day long. Man, I, I should have walked through that door that, Lord, you, you gave me a message to give, and I'm being disobedient. I know that, and I have to follow my faith and ask for forgiveness because I know I done messed up. But there are times where I conjure up. It's not me even conjuring up. The Lord gives me the strength and courage because I, I don't, may not want to have the conversation in that time of being, but I'm like, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you. And I get to, to walk through that door, and we start to have a conversation about the gospel. And they start to ask questions about who Jesus is and why it matters to them. And aren't there lies in, in the Bible? Don't, the, don't there, aren't there areas where they, they disagree with each other? How does that? And we get to have a talk about it. And the Lord gives me the words to say and how to say them. I mean, I, I haven't always been a preacher. Sometimes I just, in the midst of things, the Lord brings things to remembrance that that person needs to hear in that moment in time. And they walk away, and I'm not saying they get saved on the spot. Sometimes it happens. But at least they are in a different place than where they were. They have something they can hold on to that, that somebody else can build with. Like we talk about the harvest, you know, some, some are there to, to plant the seed, some are there to water, some are there to cultivate the soil. But it's God who makes the increase. So our purpose, our goal, is to walk through the door and be obedient and he'll give you what you need. Like, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a theologian. He didn't ask you to be. He asked you to follow him. He asked you to be a disciple. And man, he, he provides these open doors everywhere. We have a great opportunity here at First Baptist Bolingbroke. We have a tremendous opportunity. I talk about all the, the, the people that we're reaching just on, on social media and online using technology, but what about all the people here in Bolingbrook? We have a tremendous opportunity to take advantage of open doors. Last week, I talked about our early beginnings here 55 years ago, and we talked about the ebbs and flows that we've seen here in this local church. But I believe that if we would just be intentional about building relationships here in Bolingbrook, wherever it is that you're going, if you're going to work, you're you're going to Starbucks, you're going to a grocery store, you're, you're in some clubs around the area. Whatever it is that you're doing is an opportunity for you to build relationships with those in your community 
and that we can see our church experience revival through the relationships that you're building. I firmly believe that we'll see our church grow both spiritually and numerically if we would just show our love to our community. We will go out and do what God has called us to do. They say you would know, uh, they would know that you're his disciples by your love. What if we would go out and just love on our community and folks are like, why, why are you always around here doing all this stuff for us? Why do you care? What, look at that open door. I care because Jesus Christ cared enough for me. Even while I was in a position similar to yours, here's, here's my testimony. And he would do the same for you. One way we plan to love on our community next year is, is through prayer. I recognize and understand that not all of us can go and pound the pavement and knock on doors and, and do a lot of different things. But one thing all of us can do is pray. There's not one of us here physically or online who, who can say, well, I can't pray. All of us can do that. So next year, we're going to select uh, one community organization per quarter and just adopt them and we're going to be praying for them all quarter you know whether it's the police department or uh the school across the street a school attached to this building uh the health workers fire department whatever that organization is we're going to adopt one per quarter and just pour our hearts out in prayer for them and we're going to you know collect some some snacks and drinks and to fill their fridge or whatever else that they, they might need and include some cards to say well we want to we want to bless you by giving you these things and tell you how much we appreciate what you do and how you give your time to our community and i want to let you know that we're praying for you here's some cards so you can submit some personal prayer requests in addition to what we're already praying tell us how we can pray for you specifically and I think, I know that they will have a tremendous impact on our community by just stepping out in, in prayer and letting them know. Like I said, it, it's good to have some encouragement sometimes. It's good to be encouraged to let them know, hey, you are seen and we care and we love what you're doing. We're also going to be reaching out to new neighbors as they move into the area. We'll be reaching out to them with gather a care package and along with some resources about some things that they will be handy uh, for them as they get acclimated to Bolingbrook and, you know, uh, let them know about the, the, you know, the trash pickup and different things, the, the, the li our cool library I just talked about and all these other things. But we're going to let them know, like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. We're here and we're praying for you as well as you get acclimated. There's other things that I would love to think and plan to do uh, just so that we can love on our community. But these couple things are just a start for us. And I think will uh, change the trajectory of our local church here. And, and, and our goal isn't to get them to this church. That might sound weird, but that's not our goal. It's not, our goal is not, it would be fantastic. Yeah, if they decide to come worship with us and be members, and the Lord knows we need the extra hands and feet. But our goal is not to get them to this church. Our goal is to get them to Jesus. We're not in competition with the litany of churches down the street. We're, we're not in, in, in competition with all the other churches here. Our goal and our aim is for people to know Jesus. 
And if they do it here and worship from here, awesome, fantastic. I love it. But it gets them to Cristo es Rey. I love that too. That's our goal and our aim. I got to get up. Verse 9. Verse 9 says, Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word and about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the new city, my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Like those in Smyrna, there are people uh, who say they are Jews. They say that they, they are, are, are following God while at the same time they're enemies. They think they're doing a good thing. They think they're doing right. But in actuality, they are following the enemy and doing his bidding by persecuting these Christians. These folks claim to be Jews. These folks claim to be Israelites or God's chosen people, but they're actually working for Satan. They're actually working for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, as is described in Revelations 12 and 10. Jesus is making it clear here in this text and others that um, the defining characteristic of those who truly are God's chosen people and his beloved are not, uh, uh, does not depend on their family lineage. It does not depend on their family heritage. The factor that is a determining factor uh, for those who follow Christ, for those who are his, is actually their faith in Jesus. Those who are purchased people for God from every nation. It is not just uh, one group of people over here and not anybody else. The, the text says every nation, every tribe, every tongue. We, it's easy for us to get this confused nowadays. We want to separate, but that's not God's intention. Revelation 5 and 9, it says they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open up its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation, not just the U.S., and not just certain kind of people here and there based on a particular lineage or heritage. The Lord will vindicate them as his true chosen people, those people who are with him based on their faith. People by one day will making, um, one day these people who are, are following him, one day he, he, the Lord will make his opponents fall at their feet. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. At that moment, you will either bow to King Jesus in glad salvation, or you will bow to him in bitter submission. But every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. You will either bow with or bow to the people who follow Christ as their Lord, Master, and Sovereign King. You make the choice. What side will you be on? Jesus promises that the embattled and weary believers of Philadelphia who have patiently endured um, everything that they, they have done or been through, that he will keep them from the hour of trial that is coming to test the whole world. And this brothers and sisters, should be comforting to us. This promise to the victorious is that Jesus will make them a pillar in the temple of God and will write their name of God on them. And this pillar represents strength. This pillar represents stability. Then to go and write the name of God in the city, this, this indicates ownership. He will, he will make sure that, that everyone knows who his people belong to. I don't know if your parents did this growing up, but I remember being in elementary school when my mother wrote my name on everything that I had, on my backpack, on my books, on rulers. And man, my name was, it was clear who that stuff. I remember working with my dad and he would engrave my name on the stapler and stuff. I mean, it was very clear. Somebody picked up the wrong thing, who it belonged to. And so it could get back to me if it were to be misplaced. It was no question. There could be no mistake at that time. In the same way, brothers and sisters, if you persevere, if you submit your life to Christ and you follow him, he's going to write his name on you. If you stay with him and continue to follow him and do what he's called you to do, you submit to him in obedience, he writes his name on you. So when the enemy comes, when the enemy comes and tries to take you out and, and take you somewhere else, he's going to look at the name. He's going to look at who you belong to. It's like, I, I can't do nothing. I, I can't do nothing with them because they belong to God. I got no power over here. I can't make them do nothing. If you would just submit to him, if you would just follow him, there would be no mistake who you belong to. Here's how Paul puts it. In Romans, he says, for, uh, this is Romans 8 and 38 through 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things come, or nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, Ooh, man, nothing will be able to separate if you would follow him. You belong to King Jesus, and nobody can snatch you out of his hands. Oof. If you don't leave here with nothing else, I hope you leave here with that. You belong to King Jesus. The one who conquers is promised a permanent place in the temple in God's eternal city, which is named the New Jerusalem. This is what we have to look forward to. This is what we are, are, are spending our days looking forward to. This is, is, is what we are attained to as, as the new Jerusalem descends to earth and we see this bride city. Revelation 21 and 2, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, 
from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Romans 21 and 22. And I saw uh, no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. The city shines with radiance and God's glory. Brothers and sisters, this is our great reward. This is what we have to look forward to. I know we live in this, this Amazon Prime type world and we want things right now and next day. But what we have to look forward to is forever and eternity with our Lord and Savior. And it's worth the wait. It's worth every moment that you submit to him. Everything that you deny yourself in your flesh today is worth it for what we'll get when we're with him in heaven. If you would just follow him and submit your life to him and, and live for him, you not only get heaven. We talk a lot about heaven and I want to go to heaven, but you not only get heaven, but you, you get God. You get the creator of the universe and you get to be in his presence. There's nothing that's greater than that. When we risk our lives to live for Christ, we discover the safety that can only be found in his sovereignty. We realize the security that can only be found in his love. And we, we get the satisfaction that can only be found in his presence. That, my friends, is our reward. If you have an ear to hear, I hope you would hear what the Spirit says to the churches. When I grew up in the church, old Baptist church back in the day, at the end, the pastor would say, the doors of the church are open. This is the time, this is the opportunity that we have to have an open door and walk through. You've heard about the excellencies of Christ. You've heard about what he's done. I heard you, hope you were encouraged. Hope you're excited. That, that you won't leave here and just sit on your hands and, and go about your life in the humdrum way that we have. Maybe you came that way, but like I said, you can't leave the same. I hope that you will leave transformed, but the doors of the church are open. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you haven't yet submitted your life to him. T today is the day. Now is the time. Right now, if you're looking for a sign, here I am. Right now, choose today who you will serve. Maybe you're here today and you have long submitted your life to Christ and um, you just needed this encouragement, that you just needed this to be on fire for who he is and what he's done in your life. I hope that you would leave here changed. And if there's any way that I could be praying for you, please feel free to come forward. I'll be here to, to be praying for you, be praying with you. If you have not submitted your life and you're like, what does this even mean for me? What does this look like for me in my life? If I follow Christ, what, what has to change? Let's, let's have that conversation. That's why we're here. That's why we assemble as a body of believers so we can walk with one another. You're not in this alone. This is not a Lone Ranger Christianity. We're here and we're in it together. So come have that conversation with me as well. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much. Oh, I just, it is so encouraging about what you've done for your people, how much you've loved us, even though we're unlovable, even though we, have, uh, we continuously go astray and you've got to snatch us back, put us back on the right path. Thank you for loving us so much that you would do that for us. Thank you for giving us your son who walked along this earth and 
and lived a life that we couldn't live, who paid the price that was meant for us so that we might be able to have life. I don't think there's enough thank yous in, in our lungs that we could express how much we appreciate what you've done for us. And not only that, but you seek to have a relationship with us. And, and, and yes, we get to see the new Jerusalem. We get to see and be a part of the bride of Christ. But uh, most importantly, we, we get to be with you. And for that, we are so grateful. Grateful for your goodness. Grateful for your mercy and your love. Help us to leave here not only encouraged, but convicted of, of what you have made us to be and, and, and give us the courage and strength not to keep it to ourselves, to go and, and spread this good news with those who need to hear it. Father, we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.